0: Hey, It's Stephen Henderson. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk about an old argument in Lansing that has new life inside the Democratic Party. That argument is about how we attract businesses and grow the economy here in Michigan. For years, incentives have been a big part of the picture, but State Senator Mallory McMorrow is proposing a significant change to that approach. We'll talk with her about what her bill would do and how we We should be thinking about attracting and growing businesses here in Michigan. Then we're going to talk with two reporters who cover Lansing about how this argument is unfolding and how we got to this point in the first place. Mallory, welcome back to Detroit Today.
1: Thanks, Stephen. Good to be here.
0: So let's start with your skepticism of the SOAR fund. Uh, Why do you think it's not working? Uh, And what do you think are the consequences of our pursuit of economic growth through tools like the SOAR fund.
1: So the SOAR fund was created in the wake of the news back in 2021 that Ford had chosen Tennessee and Kentucky to make their largest investment ever. And that was a real panic here in the state of Michigan, especially in Lansing, when that was viewed as a failure, that Michigan was not even considered for these projects. And so the SOAR fund was created uh, as a means to, in theory, Make our state more competitive. But as we've seen, if all we're doing is trying to lure companies to expand here with incentives, we're going to lose. There are always going to be states that have more money than we do. And what we've learned is it's not the most effective way to attract and retain investment in the state when we know the most important aspect that a company considers is their workforce, the people who are going to be employed In these locations, in these companies. Uh, So, an example that I point to frequently, that we all know here in in Michigan and Detroit very well, is Amazon HQ2. Mm -hmm. The state of Michigan and the city of Detroit, we were prepared to spend $4 billion in incentives and tax cuts to lure Amazon to locate their second headquarters here. Now, that was going to be six-figure jobs, software engineers, executives, uh, very high-paying jobs. But Amazon came back and told us we weren't even in the top 20 for them because we didn't have transit and we didn't have talent. There are better ways to do this, and that is why we have the reform proposal that is being debated in Lansing now.
0: So, so as I said in the open, this is an argument that has been going on for a really long time in Lansing, not just back dating back to 2021, uh, when we lost out to those to those other states in, in attracting those plants and and even further back than uh, than the Amazon HQ2, uh, I, I can remember for instance uh, a man named Rick Snyder running for governor, in part uh, promising to end incentives. Uh, he said that that was a terrible way to attract businesses to to Michigan, and he. He, he focused a lot on this idea of economic gardening, which which he said was uh, focusing on the infrastructure here for businesses that already exist, getting them the things that they need, getting them the talent that they need to grow rather than to get them to move here. Um, uh, talk about what is different about now or different about, I guess, the way that you're thinking about this than the arguments that we have had in the past and have been having in Michigan for a really long time.
1: So I think your point is well taken. And what is true is there is a sense among both Republicans and Democrats and I think frankly most people that having to buy companies investing in your state means that there's something wrong. The reality is that every other state currently does this. There is always a fierce competition for incentive packages and offers, um, especially in this moment right now when we have a significant amount of federal funding in the CHIPS Act, for example, the Bipartisan uh, Inflation Reduction Act, uh, that makes these funds available. But you're right, and I think where the rub has been has been that the debate has always been binary. It's either, do we do incentives or do we not? And our hope in the reform that we've put forward is our long-term goal has to be reducing our reliance on incentives over time, knowing that we have lofty goals here in Michigan. We have to increase the number of residents who have a college degree, a skills certificate, or any kind of post-secondary certificate. Uh, We have to increase our population. We have to increase the quality of our K-12 education system, and that's not going to happen overnight. So let's put forward a reform uh, that understands that there is frankly, an off ramp that we need to be thinking about so that we continue to grow our state and attract businesses, but with a mindset towards what do we have to do so that we no longer have to rely on such large incentives and companies will want to move and stay and expand here because of the strength of our fundamentals.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, So let's talk about the make it in Michigan fund, what it would do. And why you think it would create better, more high-paying jobs than the SOAR fund does?
1: So the SOAR fund is actually made up of two funds. Uh, There's the Critical Industry Program and the Strategic Site Readiness Fund. Those are very wonky, but basically what they do is it's two pots of money. One is money directly to the company, and one is money to prepare a site. So when you think about a large manufacturing site, there is ground clearing, There's utilities that have to be upgraded. You have to prep that space so that a company can come in and use it. What we've done in the Make It In Michigan fund is add a third fund underneath the total pot of money that we are calling the Michigan 360 fund. This would require that every economic development opportunity be packaged with a minimum of 20% direct investment, into the community that the company will be located. This could be for things like childcare expansion, for broadband access, it could be for burying power lines if you are in an area like ours that has frequent power outages. Uh, It could be for a community center or improving walkability. We really want to encourage the state to think about these investments in the community that we know we should be making statewide, but can we start to leverage economic development opportunities to make strategic investments in our places and our people, which is ultimately going to support the workforce that the company needs?
0: I I want to talk about the argument about this bigger issue that is playing out somewhat in the Democratic Party itself. As I said in the open, uh, Democrats now have control of both houses in the legislature and some people would think yeah well uh, now is the time to be able to make these kinds of changes. Of course not all Democrats agree on all issues. can you can you talk about what the the differences are for instance between your position on this and some of the other democratic voices in Lansing?
1: Yeah, so I think this really goes back to kind of our fundamental goals. And I think, again, our unified goal, all of us relying on incentives for, for economic development. We should be investing in our people and our places to make our state attractive without having to pay a company to locate here. Um, I don't think there's any debate in that. The question is, how do we get there? There are some within um, our caucuses who believe that we should cut off incentives completely, that it is corporate welfare. Um, I will admit I would love if that was on the table. We should be investing directly in our people. But I think we have to take the realistic approach that recognizes if we were to do that right away, we would likely be losing out on some opportunities, especially Because we still have to do a lot of work to increase the strength of our fundamentals. So that's a lot of the debate that we're having internally is what does this ramp look like? How do we ensure that the projects that get into what's called the pipeline, the companies that are being considered for SOAR dollars are projects and companies that are actually going to create good jobs that are going to pay well, provide benefits, have strong workplace protection, uh, and not just going after every single project, especially if it's not going to increase the prosperity of our residents.
0: Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about the kinds of strings you might want to put on these subsidies and how you would enforce them, that's another debate that has unfolded over a long time, which is if you give a company uh, opportunity with with an incentive to create jobs here and they don't do it, how do you claw that back, for instance? Uh, talk about how this fund would restructure, I guess, the way we, we hold people accountable.
1: Yeah, so we add uh, a significant amount of new criteria that the Michigan Economic Development Corporation must consider before making an offer to a company. Um, That's including things like, is this company a good environmental steward? Are they going to protect our environment? Do they have a track record of doing so? Are they going to respect workers' desire to unionize? Should that be something that the workers decide to do? Uh, Are we prioritizing traditionally disadvantaged communities or communities that may have a higher than state average unemployment rate because research shows that if you're going to do incentivized projects, there's a significantly higher return if you're actually targeting the areas where you could bring people out of unemployment or into the workforce versus some areas that may already be doing well. So we've built those in along with language that we are debating right now that would require the company to confirm that they are not under any proceeding at any level with the federal government, the state government, a state agency related to environmental issues related to potential um, security issues this has become a concern on the other side of the aisle as we've seen uh, some companies receive offers in Michigan that may have partnerships with other countries and if a company knowingly lies in that statement that would immediately trigger a clawback and allow the state to cancel the project and get the funds back Mm.
0: so so let's talk about the prospects for this change, it is percolating in uh, both houses in uh, the legislature. Uh, what, what do you think is the likelihood that you'll convince either enough Democrats in your own party or perhaps attract a couple of Republicans across the aisle uh, to get this done?
1: You know, I got to tell you, I feel really good about it. We just moved this bill package out of my committee, the Economic Development Committee in the Senate yesterday, with really broad support. We have labor supporting us. We have the Michigan League for Public Policy, um, MML, the Michigan Municipal League. So communities are supportive of this. We also have the support of companies like Toyota and Economic Development Leaders of Michigan. So we've got business community support, local municipalities support, labor support, um, environmental Justice group supporting us. And I've had really good conversations with Republicans. Uh, and it doesn't sound like a win, but in my committee, two of the three Republicans passed and have told me that they'd like to get to a yes on a final vote. So they didn't outright vote no. And in this hyperpartisan partisan climate, that's that's pretty big.
0: Okay. State Senator Mallory McMorrow, always great to have you here on Detroit Today. Thanks so much for coming by to talk about the Make It in Michigan Fund. Thanks, Stephen. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation about the best way to grow the economy and create jobs in Michigan. We'll also explore more about why Democrats are now a little more split On this issue than they have been in some time. We're going to be joined by two reporters who cover Lansing. Lauren Gibbons covers Michigan politics for Bridge, Michigan, and Chad Livengood is the politics editor and a columnist with the Detroit News. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. We've got two people who cover Lansing and have been paying attention to this issue for a while. Lauren Gibbons is a reporter who covers Michigan politics for Bridge, Michigan. Lauren, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. Also with us is Chad Livengood. He is a politics editor and columnist with the Detroit News. Chad, welcome back to Detroit Today. Great to be here, Stephen. Okay, uh, Lauren, I'm going to start with you. In June, you wrote a piece about Representative Dylan Wedula, a Democrat out of Garden City, who was against corporate subsidies. Uh, talk about his dilemma and what it says about where the Democratic Party is today. I, I was in the conversation with Senator McMorrow, I was sort of focusing on this internal argument, I guess you might call it, about how to deal with incentives among Democrats.
2: Yeah, certainly. So there is the constant push-pull, right, of, as you mentioned, uh, whether to invest in, you know, landing and bringing businesses in through corporate incentives or using taxpayer dollars to invest in different things like infrastructure, education, things that could make the state more attractive uh, independently for, for businesses and talent to, to settle down in. And um, it, the representative and, you know, some other progressives in the caucus have been a little concerned about the aggressive pushes for incentives to attract corporations um, Representative Wagella is uh, specifically um, one who has said that he will never support um, sending taxpayer dollars to profitable corporations. And that's put him at public odds with the caucus sometimes. But, uh, you know, it, there comes a point where it's it's almost, a, you know, it's not just him that's expressing concerns. And, um, you know, as, as you heard from Senator McMorrow earlier, it's it's going to be a continued conversation and so the rebrand is trying to pull in some of the some of the concerns from progressives to include investments in communities and other things that are important to michigan while also still trying to attract some of these businesses here
0: so chad how did we get here. Uh, I, I was talking with Senator McMorrow about my memory of Rick Snyder saying when he wanted to be governor that he was going to get rid of all of these incentives and come up with another way. He, he definitely made an attempt and incentives changed a bit while he was governor, but it does seem like we went pretty quickly back to the old way. Now we have a Democratic majority in Lansing that can't seem to agree among its own members about how to, to figure this out, how to fix it so that it actually works for the people who, who live here. Uh, give us a sense of what that, that narrative looks like and kind of where it leaves us at this point.
3: Yeah, when Rick Snyder came into office in 2011, he essentially said the era of big tax credits is over. And uh, when he left office at the end of 2018, they were back to the era of big tax credits uh, and incentives. Uh, You might remember the uh, tax incentives that were used to, that Dan Gilbert uh, lobbied for so he could build his uh, skyscraper at the uh, former Hudson site. That is being done with uh, an incentive that essentially refunds Um, Dan Gilbert, the cost of the sales tax for all the materials and and the cost of all the the income tax um, for all those workers working on the build that 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 site. Um, This was this was the incentive that uh, uh, added up with uh, with his renovation of the book tower and uh, the expansion of one campus marshes um, is, is well over half a billion dollars of subsidies. To, in order to spur that uh, construction. So uh, Rick Snyder try, came in, he tried to, I mean, the history of, of tax incentives really dates back to about 30 years ago uh, to a huge mo- monumental um, uh, um, moment in Michigan uh, economic history it was when uh, General Motors' Ypsilanti plant shut down, and they moved and built a new plant in Arlington, Texas, to build uh, trucks and and uh, and the biggest, most profitable SUVs that they made, and and thousands of jobs were lost. And at the time, then Governor uh, um, John Engler uh went to essentially war with other states and they created what was known as the michigan economic growth authority or mega uh tax credits and they use these credits to 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 go after projects to try to preserve jobs um and try to entice particularly the big three to make uh, new investments in plants and retool them and stop the bleeding um, of of auto assembly plants to the south or to mexico and uh, so we've used these tools off and on for years and, and then over and then it just got it got put on even steroids under under governor Jennifer granholm uh after, in the in the midst of the Great recession the the historic bankruptcies of General Motors and Chrysler uh Jennifer granholm uh, put all the jobs practically all the jobs of all three automakers under uh, a, a tax incentive uh, a retention tax incentive instead of a job creation tax incentive and essentially those um those three employers um general motors ford and and uh, now stellantis um they get refunded the income tax that their employees in michigan generate um and that's their essentially uh the subsidy to stay in michigan um so we've we've over time built this kind of dependency on tax incentives um and then along comes uh 2021 we're coming out of the rece- out of the uh, recession from the uh, from from the pandemic we're kind of emerging from the pandemic and ford makes this huge decision uh to partner with an electric va- battery maker and invest over 11 billion dollars in two factory sites in Tennessee and Kentucky and to say that this was a uh, an arrow uh into the heart of state government I mean uh, it would be an understatement. Uh, uh, and so that's what happened they, they responded uh, in kind essentially in the bidding wars for this for this battery planned investment by creating a similar in, uh, incentive, the new soar fund, which is instead of instead of incentivizing that if you create a job we'll, we'll give you back the 4.25 percent income tax now they just they're just we're just paying cash um, up front. Which is like we've never done this in, in state history, yeah. but we're but the southern states do this all the time. This is how this is. I mean, Georgia and South Carolina, uh, and Mississippi, and Tennessee, and Kentucky—they've been doing this for years, and that's that's partly why the the, the foreign automakers uh, continue to
0: build there. So so, uh, Lauren, I want to talk a little more about uh, what would change under this proposed legislation right now, it, it doesn't go as far as some members of the Democratic Caucus uh, have been talking about going, uh, which would be to try to eliminate a lot of these incentives, if not all of them. But it would try to create more carrots and sticks, I guess, to 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 motivate businesses who come to the state to fulfill the promises that they make and and to actually uh, create jobs. Uh, I, I want to talk about what, what that legislation will do. And then I want to talk about this split, a little more about this split that even involves the Speaker, uh, Joe Tate, uh, who, who's got to wrangle all of these votes together to get legislation uh, through the House. Uh, he, he is caught up in this, I guess, intra party uh, argument about what the approach should be to these things.
2: Yeah, so to start with the legislation, essentially it's trying to thread the needle between wanting to continue offering some kind of incentive to big businesses to come and invest here or stay here um, while also getting at the argument that uh, these dollars should reflect um, additional investment in Michigan. So there's, there's some, under this proposal, um it would kind of combine sort of that offering um, re, like i said rebrand the soar fund to the make it in michigan fund um, you know and and also require some additional investments in things like housing or workforce development education things that um, things that the community would benefit from as well as the business so instead they're hoping under this legislation that instead of you know, just, just giving the business an incentive to come, it gives the business incentive to come and also benefits the community around it. That's the goal mm-hmm. ultimately. But a lot of, um, you know, it's, it's going to be difficult to thread the needle because there's a lot of differing opinions on uh, the the benefit of tax incentives mm-hmm. for businesses. And it's, it, as, as you mentioned, it is going to be a lift in the legislature because the Democrats are operating with a pretty razor-thin majority. Obviously, incentives, as Chad alluded to, have been pretty bipartisan over the years. Usually, there's like some kind of mix of Democrats and Republicans who come together on them. It's not necessarily a guarantee in this political environment. Um, so it's it's going to be, you know, a lift to either appease all of the Democrats who are involved, some of whom are pretty set against. Uh, tax incentives for corporations and, you know, potentially getting some Republicans on board.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. We're talking with Lauren Gibbons and Chad Livengood, two reporters who cover Lansing and the legislature and the governor's office. Uh, We're talking about these proposed changes to one of the funds that uh, we use in the state to attract businesses to Michigan with uh, big incentives. Should that change? Should there be more accountability for those incentives once businesses get them should we get rid of those incentives altogether something that's been discussed for a really long time here in michigan uh 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones that's 313-577-1019 You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we can make you part of the conversation uh, that way. Let's start today with Dan in Southfield. Dan, what's on your mind? Hey,
4: Stephen. You know, I have to pay my taxes. I don't know about you. I do. (laughs) I get in a lot of trouble if I don't. So, you know, this idea that these people – I mean, they're declaring themselves to be a public good, like we're going to provide jobs. Well, I've provided jobs for a lot of people, and I've never been offered a dime for doing it. And, you know, I resent these uh, interlopers from other places, state shopping and deciding who they can rip off the worst. I mean, yeah, these southern states have, you know— a right-wing governance in many places, and, you know, they're against taxes in general, but I think you should pay your taxes, and I think as good citizens they should pay their taxes. And I think it would represent, you know, better for them yeah. if they just paid their taxes.
0: Yeah, Dan, I, I, I don't disagree, and I think there are a lot of other folks who, at least in theory, would agree with that. I, I think the practical reality of the competition among states to attract these businesses is what leads us to the idea that uh, you've got to forgive some of those taxes in order to get people to choose Michigan, for instance, over Ohio or over uh, Tennessee or, or Alabama. I mean, uh, as long as that is the playing field that we're on, I, I, I think it, it becomes somewhat difficult to say we could uh, unilaterally disarm, for instance, and say, wait, look, we're out of that business. We're going to do a, a different way, but then you would continue to lose, really, to, to other states. So, Chad, talk about that balance, again, of, uh, uh, of offering incentives to to stay in the competition versus Saying, well, there's a better way, and we just don't even need to be competitors anymore. Yeah. I
3: mean, there's, we're talking a little bit about the factory, the assembly part of the auto industry in particular. Mm -hmm. But there's, and that's just, that's really just us versus those southern states we've mentioned. Then there is the knowledge based aspect of the auto industry, the design, the research, uh, and the development of new cars and new technologies electrification, better batteries that go longer, autonomous vehicles that drive themselves. Right now, General Motors' cruise division has 2,500 white collar, highly paid employees living and working in the San Francisco Bay region. They are not working at the Rent Rans- and Rensen. They are not working at the Warren Tech Center like the previous generation of, of, uh, of engineers and, and software developers did. They are living and working on the West Coast um because that is where the talent is. And 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 so what one one of the big things that Senator McMorrow's legislation is trying to get at is you have it cannot be just about um uh buying the job, essentially. We have to think about the community people want to live in, where they want to re- send their kids to school the kind of amenities that they have um i mean th- right now th- the state of michigan is preparing to pay goshen this chinese battery maker um 175 million dollars of cash and give them a 30-year tax break where 540 million dollars to build a battery plant on the outskirts of big rapids and would bring almost 2400 jobs i have not seen one iota of a plan on where they're going to get 2400 people uh, to fill those jobs in Big Rapids. Um, s- same goes for Ford and their their battery plant in Marshall. Um, yes, it's near Battle Creek. Yes, it's near Jackson. But it's a half hour to both. I mean, to, to, to the nearest population center. And how are they going to build build out a three thousand employee or more battery plant uh, uh, manufacturing facility when it's nowhere near where there are people? Um, I mean, these this is why they're trying to get at is like you got to have some incentive, you got to have some focus on on housing and affordable housing, and you got to have a set incentive on where people want to live. And on this white collar side of the coin. Um, you can do these jobs. You can be an accountant for General Motors and live anywhere. Mm-hmm. Now, you do not have to work in the Rensen. In fact, if you go in the Rensen in the middle of the day, you will not find anybody in that building. Um, it is uh, it is a ghost town and it is like bordering on blight uh, of a ghost town because there is just no one, no one working in in, in, the, in the, uh, the tallest tower in downtown Detroit anymore um, on a daily basis because. The, the uh, pandemic has changed everything. And so we have to, as a state, change something um, or we're going to lose these people and we're going to lose them pretty fast.
0: Yeah. Yeah. OK, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Let's go to Gene in Detroit. Gene, welcome to the show.
4: Uh, good morning, Stephen. Uh, your guests
0: are exactly right. Uh, The whole process of tax abatements and tax circumference finance areas needs to be reviewed. It hasn't worked for over 50 years. The best way to produce jobs is is, uh, dealing with emerging markets. The Chinese have figured this out. They've got a, over a quarter million people already working on the African continent and hundreds of thousands of more in support just in Africa alone. And there was a program in the empowerment zone known as E4.1 uh, that came out of city council that was never implemented, never funded. Hmm. They should t- pay close attention to that. That's where the future is. Gene, really appreciate the call uh, and and that perspective. Uh, Lauren Gibbons, I, I want to talk a little more about um, the alternatives, I guess, to uh, tax incentives and, and other kinds of, of carrots that we use to attract business to the state. Uh, some of what Gene is talking about here really is, investment and public infrastructure growth, uh, the kinds of things that Democrats often talk about on the campaign trail and say they want to enact once they're in office. Where do we stand with those kinds of measures, uh, especially now that we're eight or nine months into the Democrats having control in Lansing? Are they making progress on that side of the ledger uh, changing the way that we grow the economy and opportunity, I guess, from within the state.
2: Right. Yeah. That counter argument of making Michigan a place that's cool enough for people to come and want to work um, and, and attract business just by having a talent pool that is beneficial to them is, is kind of the counter argument here. So uh, the, the, governor's administration and uh, the population council that was created is kind of looking at ways to try and do that. Um, And there haven't necessarily been uh, funding estimates attached to that yet. But some of the proposals or recommendations that are already starting to come out sound like they could be pretty expensive. Um, You know, uh, Mm -hmm. fixing Michigan's roads, for Mm -hmm. example, um, is going to be a pretty expensive task if we do it um, in the way that, uh, you know, experts say it needs to be done. So it's one of those things where, you know, to do a lot of the things that uh, the research and experts um, are saying could make Michigan better and uh, increase our population and, and build out our workforce um, that businesses ultimately need to populate their, um, to populate their factories and their um, white-collar jobs. Is, is something that, that also needs to be kind of kept at the top of mind um, for, mm-hmm. for lawmakers as they consider these things.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, Jean, always appreciate uh, your participation in the show. Thanks for the call and the ideas today. Let's go to Bernadette in Old Redford. Bernadette, what's on your mind?
2: I am thinking uh, long ago when the legislature Said that the reason that big businesses don't come here is because the taxes are too high. Mm-hmm. So they gave them a billion or billions in tax cuts. Where did those jo- job? How does that generate jobs? We can't keep tax-cutting our way, and then giving away incentives, I think what we should be doing is, for example, uh, it's long-term, but universities should be creating new businesses like related to medical research. Our Mm -hmm. population is getting older. We need big cures. We need big vaccines. Make us a medical hub instead of chasing old businesses.
0: Uh, Bernadette, really appreciate the call and, and the comments. Uh, Chad, it is a good question to be answered, I think, about the massive tax cut for businesses that uh, Governor Snyder pursued very early, almost immediately uh, after he was elected and what effect it had on both the treasury, in terms of uh, revenue coming in, but also jobs and and job growth. The, the the promise was that it would pull Michigan out of what had been a, a really bleak decade of of job losses. Did it?
3: Um, I, I'm not an economist, uh, Stephen, so it's it's hard. <laughs> it's a uh, hard question to uh, to answer. I, I do know that um, it did make revenue continue to be stagnant uh, state tax revenue for schools and for the general fund. I mean, until the pandemic, we went about 20 years in the state with a state general fund that was about $10 billion. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that was what it was when John Engler left office right at the, end, at the uh, beginning of the of the turn of the century. And it was, it was essentially what it was before the pandemic. Then we had this huge infu- infusion of of uh, federal stimulus and then there was a lot of other you know uh, stimulus activity sales tax uh, revenue so we've been living they've been living this this huge wave with these multi-billion dollar surpluses in Lansing but you know I mean to that point um this state budget that went into effect October 1st uh for all the additional spending that went into it into programs and and one-time projects mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of money actually Spent on roads. Um, I mean, it's it's essentially a flat budget. The the M. budget does have an increase, but that increase is to cover the the new uh, debt payment that you are occurring on the 3.5 billion dollars of bonds that Governor Whitmer took out um, when she couldn't get a 45 percent 45 cent gas tax uh, mm-hmm. in her first year in office. She took out. uh, This is what I call the "get out the damn credit card" um, approach, Um, and and so anybody who drives I ninety six in Western Oakland County, or I two seventy five in Western or Wayne County, or six ninety six in Oakland County, um, knows exactly what this is. This is that is the bond program right there at work rebuilding those freeways. we they need to be rebuilt. There's no doubt about it. But we're, but, um, but at what cost are we doing that? Are we doing this? Um, and I've said this over and over. We have built a state we simply can't afford to maintain. Yeah. Um, and the gas tax is a dying tax. Um, it is over time because of electric electric vehicles. And uh, and more fuel efficient um, gas engines, uh, ju- we're just we're just uh, and some some people's driving habits just completely changed as well. in The pandemic, we're just using less and less gas. And so uh, when you tax uh, when you when you pr- principally more than fifty percent of your uh, uh, road funding comes from a source that requires you to drive over and over and over again, um, it, it we're 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 setting ourselves up for some 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 uh, sentiment of failure. So. Yeah. The Population Commission is trying to address the, the, what Lansing has been so far unable to do for the better part of a decade.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go quickly uh, to uh, to John on the east side. John, I'm running out of time, but I want to get the point that you're making in here because I think it's something that comes up all the time.
4: So in uh, the 2000s, uh, Georgia and you know and Michigan put in a film tax incentive. And the Republicans threatened to kill it as soon as Jennifer was out. They did that. Um, Atlanta does about a trillion dollars a year in films right now. And here we are. (laughs) Uh, Michigan's rebuilding their film incentive and moving it through right now. Yeah,
0: John, But,
4: uh, you know, during the worst of the times, I was doing very well making movies in the 2000s. Yeah, and the, yeah.
0: John, I, I don't want to cut you off, but I want to get uh, a response from our, our panel. Lauren, film incentives come up all the time in Michigan. Uh, I've only got about a minute left, but talk about their reemergence in the conversation in Lansing, which I don't know how serious it is, but uh, I do hear whispers about it.
2: Yes, uh, there has been film incentives legislation reintroduced. There is interest from some Democrats to bring film incentives back as, as your guest. And um, you have alluded to it is controversial. Um, <laughs> a lot of states do have it. Michigan did have it at one point. Uh, there, there were several big budget movies made here before the incentives program wound, was wound down. Um, so so that's, a, that's an ongoing conversation. It hasn't been, um, you know, it hasn't moved through um, the full legislature yet, but definitely there's, there's talks coming back up about film incentives in yeah. Michigan.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, Lauren Gibbons of Bridge, Michigan, Chad Livingood of the Detroit News. Always great to have both of you here on the program. Thanks for coming by today. Okay, that's going to be it for us today. Come back tomorrow when Detroit Today, we're going to talk with folks from other cities that are rethinking highways that carve them up. It is the next installment of our Reckoning I-375 series. Also, if you like the show and enjoy listening, you should be sharing it with your friends, your relatives, anyone you think would enjoy it and be a great member of the community that we're building here on WDET and Detroit Today. Detroit Today is produced by Sam Corey and Nick Austin. Our technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. Our assistant producer is Maddie Boyer. Our music is by Sam Bobian and Will Sessions. And podcast editing is by David Lyons. Our program director is Adam Fox. Detroit Today is a production of WDET in Detroit, and you can support the show by leaving a rating or a comment. Thanks for listening.